Welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast series. Today we're going to be talking about the gender wage gap here in Utah, which is a topic in the press and media often, and was the topic of one of our research snapshots last year. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, founding director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, and I'm here with Robin Scribner, the lead researcher for the research snapshot series here at the project. So our snapshot is titled The Gender Wage Gap in Utah. In 2016, American women earned approximately 20% less than men. This gap has actually narrowed substantially since 1963 when the Equal Pay Act was passed and women earned 41% less than men. So that we've made a lot of progress since then. But as we know, and as the statistics show and the rankings show that are on the news often, we still have a wage gap in the United States and we have a wage gap in Utah. So why does this matter? I know why it matters. You know why it matters. But maybe some of our listeners don't know why. So what would you say, Robin? Well, looking at the wage gap in Utah specifically, which is the highest in the nation, we consistently rank at the very bottom of the national charts when it comes to our wage gap. So the national wage gap is 20 cents on the dollar. Here in the state of Utah, it's about 30 cents on the dollar, difference between what men and women are making full-time year-round. But the reason why it matters, other than basic human decency, is because (laughs) Utah women in in the state are working, right? We make up 44% of the state's workforce. And in the last year, 72% of women in the state were working. Our general number for Utah women in the labor force overall is 60% of Utah women. That matters. There are hundreds of thousands of women in the state of Utah that are working. How much they're getting paid is a critically important topic. And I, I do want to say that that there are different ranking systems and uh, that come out, three or four that I look at every year, and they're, they come in different. Some of them say we're second to the bottom, Wyoming's worse. Uh, one of them has said we're fourth from the bottom. Uh, some have said we're at the bottom, meaning that we have the widest pay gap. So so men between what men and women. So we're seeing those differences, but everything is consistent to say we have one of the widest pay gaps, right? Absolutely. So that's important to look at. So one of the things that has bugged me through the years, I have to say, and I, I've written an op-ed or an editorial piece about this a number of years ago, is that we still, we've heard this through the years, but even this year, we still hear sometimes people saying in the state of Utah, that's a myth. There's really not a pay gap here in Utah. That's a myth. What would you say in response to that? That's I have that argument very frequently with people as well. One of the reasons that people make this uh, statement about the wage gap being a myth is because this flat number, the 80%, 80 cents on the dollar or 70 cents on the dollar, is a broad generalization. It's comparing all women and men who are working full-time year-round. When you start to compare apples to apples, the wage gap does narrow. If you're looking at people with the same amount of education who are working in the same field at the same level, the wage gap narrows, but it actually never disappears. It doesn't. It never goes away. And so that's, but the fact that it gets smaller and smaller, people say, oh, well, if, if women and men just did the exact same jobs, the wage gap would be gone. And it wouldn't be in it the first wouldn't. place. Nationally, some of the studies that have whittled it down, and, and we do need to acknowledge, and we'll talk about the complexity in just a second, but nationally, there's one study that said it, it comes down to about 8%. So yeah. instead of the 20% nationally, 
eight percent still a lot. Yeah. But but and they term that as pure discrimination. And we don't have something in Utah to tell us where we're at exactly. Voices for Utah Children did a did a study a couple of years ago that put us higher. But my guess is, from all the research that we've done for years, is is that in the state of Utah, it's probably wider that that discrimination, that unconscious bias, and those things would be wider than that. But it's not the whole, you know, it's not 30%. the full thirty percent, right? But even I've I've had people say it's as low as two or three percent. Mm. But even so, if you go into a new job and you say your birthday was between January and June, so you're going to be paid three percent less than the person next to you doing the exact same job, even at three percent. That would be obnoxious, right? So however large it is, we need to understand why it exists. Yes, absolutely. My guess is in Utah, that pure discrimination thing is probably 10 to 15% would be my guess. So we're talking about, and first of all, I would say when, when anyone says it's a myth, there's just so much evidence, so much research. If you understand the research, the evidence, the national reports, the global reports, the Utah report, it is reality. Absolutely. There is a gender wage gap here. But within that, it's not cut and dry, right? There's so much complexity. There's a number of things we talk about in our brief. So just give us that list of what is included that could make up part of that gap. One metaphor that I read about when I was reading all these research reports called it the tangled web of the wage gap. (laughs) And I really love that idea because there are so many interconnected factors that contribute to this wage gap and why it exists. So just a few of them are educational attainment, different between men and women, recruitment practices, negotiation skills and expectations, which are critical, job assignment and type of work, the hours worked, occupational segregation, occupational tenure, how long you've been on the job. There are lower earnings in traditional female occupations. Time spent on family care is a huge factor in the wage gap. And then finally, just coming down to straight discrimination based on gender, but not just gender, on age, on race and ethnicity, on some other factors as well. We know there is an element of the wage gap that is due to discrimination. Absolutely. And when you get some of those together, you can get the gender and the age and the race together. That's where we see really unfortunate, even, you know, really exaggerated gaps there. I want to dig down a little bit more. And one thing that came up that, that I think is so interesting is that when you get into fields, and I guess this is in the occupational segregation area, but I wanted to hit this first before we dig down into some other, is that the research has actually found that work done by women generally, traditionally, is not valued as much as work done by men. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that so frustrating? It It does, right? (laughs) These same researchers from Cornell did very in-depth studies trying to understand the gender wage gap. And when they looked at specific jobs that are heavily dominated by women or heavily dominated by men, that included same level of expertise, same number of years of required training, the jobs that were dominated by men paid more than the jobs dominated by women. But there was another factor that was fascinating, looking at specific occupational types that looking at them over time. So for instance, in the early days of computer programming, you remember the movie Hidden Figures, right? Were traditionally, originally women. And as men started joining that field in greater and greater, greater numbers saying, hey, these computer things, it looks like they're here to stay, right? Men joined, became computer programmers. The wages 
just skyrocketed for computer programmers. And the opposite happened as well. Job fields that used to be dominated by men, as more and more women joined those fields, the wages dropped. And so there are absolutely elements that show generally as a society, because of these unconscious biases, the work women do is not valued as highly as the work being done by men. And it's fascinating because people have actually said, it was reported a while back that one of our legislators said, if more men went into elementary school teaching, then we couldn't afford it in the state of Utah because then the wages would need to go up. (laughs) So isn't that (laughs) interesting? So to say so much of so many of the fields that women go into are caregiving kind of fields. And as we know, many of the caregiving fields are just lower in terms of respect or pay and, and, and they're like undervalued. That. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's wrestle. I, I call it wrestle through some of the other ones. Uh, some of the other key reasons, maybe time out of the workforce, um, the number of children, uh, socialization and different things. Let's talk about time out of the workforce. That really does impact, right? Absolutely. One of the things we know in the state of Utah, is that even though our women are working in high numbers, the percentages of women working really drop during those prime childbearing and child-raising years. It's very common for women to take a career break. And we find that career break has a significant impact on the wage gap over a person's lifetime. In fact, women who never take any career breaks at all, their lifetime gender wage gap is much smaller than women do who do take breaks. Another related concept is the motherhood penalty. I was just going to bring that up too. Fascinating research, and this is is not Utah research. It's very it's national research. That first, you know, pregnancy and that first, but the birth of the first child changes everything. Um, it's not marriage that changes no. it. It's it's being a mother, and it's so well documented. Mothers of any type, whether or not they leave the workforce, you know, there are all these different factors that they controlled for. Becoming a mother is a significant contributor to a lifelong wage gap for a woman. And the opposite is true for a man if he becomes a father. He gets a fatherhood boost. Seems a little unfair, right? And something that's really relevant in the state of Utah is the number of children. And so we do know that the more children that you have, the more you have unpaid care work, even if you're working that full-time 40 hours a week, whatever that means. And as you know, most professional jobs are not quite 40 hours a week, many of them, especially when you advance. And we in our project talk a lot about leadership and advancement. So some women stay out of that because of of those. And as you know, when you advance, you get higher pay, right? Right. Yeah. So So that's definitely a contributing factor here. So we do have to talk about that women stepping out of the workforce, and that can impact the pay. But there's other things. Sometimes they they are not welcomed back as as readily in terms of pay and other things back into the workforce when they come, even if they've worked part-time. Absolutely. So that can impact pay as well. Number of children we talked about. Um, socialization. I think that one's fabulous to talk about because it's not a fabulous thing, but it's so interesting. I'll give you one example and then you can pop in and and say one of the things in terms of the national research in the book, uh, Women Don't Ask. Actually, there's some examples and New York Times had an article about this that unconsciously parents actually 
pay their boys for jobs and chores when they're growing up and they're young and don't tend to pay their daughters. And so boys get used to saying, you know, what, what am I going to get paid and, and asking for pay and girls, and this is unconscious. It's not just in Utah, but it's, it's throughout nationally and maybe globally, but girls are, I need to serve. I need to give. And they keep that socialization with them. So it impacts them as they learn to negotiate or need to negotiate where they've been socialized to not ask for what they need. Any comments? That is fascinating. Well, there's so much to say regarding socialization and its relationship to the gender wage gap. But another thing that I wanted to mention is an idea that I see so much among my friends. So I've got my youngest kid is in school. I'm back working. And I know so many women at kind of my same level who say, well, I'm working for this specific thing. I'm working to help my kids pay for college. I'm working to help with these short-term things. And so many of these women don't think about their work as a long-time thing. Even though they spend 20, 30 years in the workforce, they don't think of themselves as having a career. And we call that the difference between a job. So many more women in Utah have a job, but not necessarily a career. And you know what? I've actually heard women, especially women from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that have said to me, I'm not supposed to have a career. I can just have a job. Right. So that is a great point, Robin. But it is. And, it, and that affects absolutely their lifelong earnings. Because if we stay in one job, and not really plan for the future, not make uh, strategic moves about how we want to move forward in a career, we're going to end up earning much less over the lifetime that we're working. And some people have, it's interesting, the word career. Some women believe, and men too, believe that that career word means you're working full time. But for me, I, I just as an example, I quit working, you know, I was a junior high teacher years ago, quit working uh, full time, kept going. But through the years, I was working part time. I was teaching college and different things and, and was just thinking a little bit of, uh, about it being a job. But after I went back to work, after my youngest out of four kids was in school, I realized that that was part of my career. Absolutely. And so sometimes we don't think about if paid or or part-time work can really be part of your career. Yes, and I love that conversation because this all has to do with the socialization and what we can do to make sure that we are working on closing this wage gap within the state. So much of it is just making strategic decisions for women about what it means for them to be in the paid labor force for the long term because they're going to be there. They might as well be paid well for it. That's that's a great comment. So anything else about the occupational segregation or did we hit most of that? Well, occupational segregation is a huge part. In fact, a lot of researchers have said it's the majority of the wage gap is is the largest percentage of the wage gap between, you know, 30 and 40% is due to occupational segregation. So we've hit on it a little bit, the work that women do valued less than the work that men do. But this is something that we can absolutely approach from so many different perspectives here within the state at the youngest ages when we're teaching our girls about the things that they can aspire to, helping them see the whole range of occupations available to them and not limiting their perspectives about the things that they can look forward to because we know so many, I mean, jobs pay, the the variety in wages and jobs is huge. And so if we start sending our girls looking toward the higher paying occupations, it's going to do a lot toward reducing our wage gap. And I say when I speak that that, um, I don't believe girls and women have true choice 
unless they really understand that maybe they can start a business. Maybe they can, you know, work in computer technology, IT. But many of them still tell me that their counselors or their parents are saying, you need to be a teacher or a nurse or whatever. And I'll tell you, teaching is great. We need more teachers. And if that's where your heart is, we need you to to join our teacher uh, force because there's a shortage. But Maybe you have other things that you would love and trying to help girls and women see those choices and many would be higher paying choices as well. It starts young, like you said, but to me, I'm a college professor and I see that the majors that we are young women choose to, to major in can affect the whole wage gap moving forward, right? Oh, absolutely. Because if you really think that, that education, and I'm not cutting education, I was a junior high teacher too, but if you think those are your only choices, then you just need to find out what is your passion and where are your gifts and have a whole range of opportunities. Absolutely. And that question of choice, that's one of the main arguments that people who believe the wage gap is a myth come back to. They say, well, it's all just a result of women's choices. That's true. But I mean, this discussion we're having here, there are so many factors that play into a woman's real ability to choose anything she wants. When we're talking about the motherhood penalty, a woman who's not getting any support at home with those children, uh, you know, a partner who's maybe not fully engaged does she really have the choice to True. go for higher things, to go for more demanding careers? And and every person should have that choice, but recognizing there are so many factors that play into it is really important in understanding why the wage gap exists and what we can do to reduce it. I'm glad you brought that up because that that is, I get that pushback as well, that it's it's all women's choice. And we want choice in different ways, but there are things that happen that aren't our choice. Right. We're in that situation. And a supportive, if, if we happen to be married or have a partner, that supportive relationship is going to be key. And we really do a call for for men, especially in the state of Utah, to think about that unpaid care work and being supportive. So our time is moving along, but I want to definitely um, just touch on race and ethnicity. You know, most of the time in all of our reports, I mean, it seems like that just exaggerates our numbers. So you take women and then women of color, and that probably would widen that gap, correct? Yes, and it's essential that we understand this. For as much as we look at averages and we have, you know, a majority of white women within the state, but once we parse out the different race ethnicities, the wage gap just grows dramatically. Yes. And it's extremely um, concerning for how large this wage gap is. When we look at the wage gap by race ethnicity, we compare women of color to white men because they're the largest group and they're the highest earning group. And in the state of Utah, compared to white men, Black women earn only 56 cents on the dollar. Native American women earn 51 cents on the dollar. And Hispanic Latina women make 41 cents on the dollar compared to white men in the state. Yeah. That gap going from 70 cents down to 47 cents. There's a huge need to understand these issues and how they affect specifically some of our populations within the state. Women of color is a big um, one of those populations we need to understand. And also, as you know, we wrote just a little bit, and we call it our unique cultural and demographic factors here in the state of Utah, um, and where we have more men, you know, as primary breadwinners. One of the things that we emphasized is we maybe have more than the nation in terms of women who really don't see themselves as breadwinners in the future or see themselves is even as working full time in the future. But as you said, we know that that's not reality here in the state of Utah. Any comments about that? Yes. One of the things, 40% of women in the nation contribute at least 
half of the total household income, right? Our number is lower than that, but it's still more than a quarter of women in the state are contributing at least half of their half of the household income. And so and many women in the state are, are contributing all, all the household it, income. Yes. Right. When we're talking about uh, single women or heads of household single mothers, this issue becomes even more critical. And we know that the wage gap hits low income workers the very hardest. And so this is another reason why, why people say, why does this matter? Say, look at your neighbor down the street, a single woman trying to make it work, and her wage, for whatever reason, is so much lower than a man doing similar work. Yeah. It and I I have to say a couple months ago, I had a woman and I won't say what firm, law firm that uh, that she worked at, but she was one of uh, the few in this particular meeting, the few women in the meeting. And there was actually still a discussion in this meeting about the wage of a woman they would hire and that she had a husband that worked. And so she didn't need as much as if they hired this other man who had a stay at home wife. So it's interesting, the assumptions that we still have that that first of all, everybody has two parents right. in the home, and that uh, instead of basing it on performance and qualifications, that situation, and that gets us in trouble here in the state of it's Utah. It's astonishing that we're still having these conversations. They're illegal. Yes, <laughs> they're they crazy. They're unethical. <laughs> it needs to stop. Yeah. And so we talked about earlier, we we're, we're need to wrap up fairly soon, but we talked a little bit earlier about that pure discrimination. So we've talked about many of the areas. There's more that we haven't addressed. If if listeners are interested in, in really digging down a little bit more, they can, they can get a copy of this brief. And there's lots of research around that. But as we mentioned, there is, you can take out education, choices for careers, some different things. But when it comes down to it, there still is pure discrimination here yes. in the state of Utah. And that some of that relates to unconscious bias. I think some still relate to the conversations I just talked about right. that are pretty conscious. Yeah, right? and people just being completely out of touch with the realities yeah. of today's workplace. But unconscious bias, if we're not really doing training on unconscious bias and really challenging ourselves, and Robin, I do myself all the time. I know you do too. I look at my own biases because... All of us have biases. We need to do that. Mm. So what can we do? So when people come to us and say, what can I do? You know, there's so many things that we can do in our organizations and in our homes and, and so forth. What? Why don't you start out with some of your ideas? Well, as far at the company level, yeah. there's so many things that businesses can do. There's software available that they can do to run on all their employees and recognize, do I have wage gaps that I didn't even know that they were there. So there are technological solutions. There are assessments and evaluations. Absolutely. There are differences that we can make in the way we're negotiating with different people. We know that women have been punished when they, so women are less likely to want to negotiate. And when they are, they are unconsciously punished for doing it. And so they break social norms. Absolutely. So looking closely at that, but there are also policies that can be strengthened within the state of Utah. Nationally, we are ranked very poorly as far as the strength of our wage wage protection and wage equality policies here within the state. So there are things that can be done on the state level, things that we can do within our businesses, and then also on the personal and family level as uh, families work to make the unpaid work more equal among partners that are there. And as we work to educate our own children about their opportunities and teaching young women and girls about the reality of their lifelong likelihood of working and participating in the paid labor force, that's going to go a long way. That's to true. Help them starting, recognize. Yeah, starting with 
are, and boys, having those conversations with boys. Right. To help them understand their wives are going to be working. Their partners are going to be working. This is a partnership that they're going to be engaging in together throughout their lives. And so let's make it an equal partnership that works well for everybody. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Rather than arguing if there is a gender wage gap in Utah, efforts here in Utah could better be spent on why there is a wage gap and addressing specific factors contributing to it. Actions by individuals, companies, universities, government, and other community organizations to remove the barriers to equal pay will improve the lives of Utah women and their families and boost the economic well-being of all here in the state of Utah. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast series hosted by the Utah Women in Leadership Project at Utah Valley University. Our core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. If you want to read the research snapshot we discussed today or learn more about our research, resources, and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. Thank you.